hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey, and welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, an adulting advice podcast production. I'm Danny Sheriff, and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. Let's dive in. And guys, please remember that I am not a doctor and nothing on this show should be taken as medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. Hey y'all, don't know if you've noticed, but today's episode is being released two days earlier than normal. This is for a reason. Tomorrow, I begin my live version of the 7-Day HA Recovery Commitment Challenge. So I really just wanted to release this episode early so I could get in your ears and let you know about this opportunity. So ages ago, I created this free challenge that you can get, you can still get it, called the 7-Day HA Recovery Commitment Challenge. And the goal was to get you in a headspace with all the tools and strategies you need to ensure that you are ready to take on recovery and get through this process, right? So you know what you need to do theoretically, you know, you've read the books, you've 
listened to the podcast, you've gone through the blogs, you know what you need to do. So why is it so hard to get it done? That is what my challenge is about. And it was really popular. So I wanted to level it up and create a live version where you and I will meet every single day for seven days in a group with all the other women who are also trying to commit to their recovery. And we're going to work through all of the roadblocks every single day for seven days. So after a whole week, you will have gone from, oh gosh, I don't know if I can do this. I'm confused. I have questions. I'm not sure if this is the right thing for me to, okay, I have clarity. I know what I need to do. I've got all of the tools and strategies I need. Danny's over here in my corner. We're going to get this whole thing done. So I'm excited. The calls are every single day at 4 p.m. Central starting tomorrow, but there are replays. So if you can't make a call or if the time zone is a bit whack for you, you're going to be able to access the replays of the call. So don't worry about it. And if you have any questions in between or want to be able to consult with me on something, I'm going to be available for you in email in between all of the calls. Additionally, it comes with a workbook. So you have, it's more than just the calls, right? (laughs) You have your homework you need to do before you show up on the day and you will be working through the things that are really hard for you. You will be painting a clear picture of what you need to do to recover, how much you need to eat, how much exercise you need to be reducing, all of it, some of it. We're going to talk about mindsets, the relationships, the conversations you need to have with other people, literally everything you need to be able to kick this process's ass. So join us today. Go to challenge.thehasociety.com. Join it today. And after the end of the seven days, you are going to feel amazing and psyched about this process. That's challenge.thehasociety.com. And the link is in the show notes. Cloud. See, and if something goes wrong, it means something about the recording is like making it freak out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, hey, everyone. Bring my microphone towards me. My little station on the stool. Welcome, y'all, to the AJ podcast with our beloved special guest, Megan Dahl. Uh, Hey, Megan. You call me Megan. No one calls me Megan. Love it. Hey. It's a a good name. It's a good name. Thanks. Um, So I'm excited to have this conversation. This episode's coming out two days before my usual release date. Because mm-hmm. it's just very fitting time-wise for the recovery commitment challenge that I am hosting and you are helping to special guests and be amazing at. So in honor of that, we kind of wanted to talk about the, this whole concept of like actually committing to the process of recovery and just share a little bit about that. So not so much science and how to and what do you need to do, but actually like getting to the place in your mind where you (laughs) are ready to actually make the changes you need to make. Yeah, which is much more my style. I mean, I love the science and everything behind recovery, but for me, it like we can know all the science and everything like that, but I feel like 
there are so many of these mindset blocks and barriers that really do prevent us from actually going all in or not even all in, but like committing to whatever it is recovery, right? Like whatever you call it. But um, I mean, I always let people know that my first eating disorder was at 10 years old and I didn't like fully recover until a few years ago, or it was like 2018 that I decided that like, wow, I really need to get my period back. Like that's a long time between the two, right. Between me being like 10 years old and then in 2018. And for me, it was just like very mindset related. So I'm so happy that we're talking about this today. Yeah. And you know, what reminds me is because you were like, I do like the science, but this is just like where my, what I love is because we see all the time people sending like, Hey, these are my labs. This is what my last lab result said, or this is what this like a book said, or what do you think about, I don't know, ashwagandha or something like all of these super actionable, tangible things that people really hold on to and there's something in the way that a lot of us not everyone but a lot of us pursue that information that just feels like it's coming from a place of um I don't know I wouldn't say non-committal but afraid to go fully committed into what they really need to do and like looking for an answer outside of behavior change or outside of um, just trusting in the process and like constantly needing this reassurance that it's working with testing and trying new things and yeah versus just being like what you're talking about or just doing the inner work that needs to be done that gets you the result you're looking for much, much better than a hyper focus on like what your latest estrogen levels were. Totally. There's so many women and I was one of those women that was constantly like going outside of our myself. I love how you said that because that's kind of often the way that I put it is we often go outside of ourselves to like try and fix things but when like the answers are actually like within us and the healing actually has to be done within and that I really do believe like that's where I come in with the inner work and helping women really like reshape their belief system and break free from so many outdated beliefs and stories and narratives that are truly holding them back yeah well, let's dive in. Mm-hmm. Give, people know our stories pretty well, so we're not going to like yes. dive into that. But will you give a high level? Um, you meant you already alluded to it a bit, but a high level version of what you what your whole life and recovery process looked like. Yeah, so super quick. I'll do this really quick. Um, I don't think I've ever done like a really quick version. But ten years old, 
first um, experience with an eating disorder, I was always kind of like in and out of anorexia. And then it moved into orthorexia when I was in university. And I had recovered. I was one of those women that I did recover from my eating disorder, but I still had HA. And I really do think that's like possible to not be dealing with an eating disorder anymore. It's kind of like psychologically you have overcome an eating disorder, but your body hasn't fully recovered. And that was me for so many years. And then fast forward to 2018, And I was realizing that like, hey, I still don't have my period. And in that moment, we were talking about you and I just a few minutes ago about the fact that like we look at things outside of ourselves. And I I was definitely doing that for many years. I was kind of like always looking at these external things making like almost an excuse as to like, that's why I didn't have my period. So for an example, in 2016 or 2015-ish, I got a parasite. And so my gut health was just like awful. And there was so much stress on my system from that parasite. And it really threw a lot of things off balance for me health-wise. And for so many years, I was like using that as an, um, an excuse Mm. as to why I didn't have my period. So that was like just an example of how I was going outside of myself and not actually addressing the fact that I was not eating enough, right. That I had like zero body fat, that I was working out way too much. I was just like thinking that like, oh, I have a parasite. So I need to get rid of this parasite. I got rid of the parasite and nothing changed. And then you like think something else, right? Like, oh, maybe I need to seed cycle, that sort of thing. And you're not actually like addressing what actually needs to happen. So what, so you said, you know, under eating, over exercising basically was what was happening. What did you have to do to realize what you really needed to do (laughs) was not seed cycling or anything like what, what happened? What did you realize you needed to do? What did you end up doing? Yeah. So I remember seeing a picture of myself in 2018. And like, I mean, I'm very well educated. I knew that it wasn't right or normal for me to not be having a period. I knew that. And I saw a picture of myself in 2018 in the summertime, and it kind of just clicked. Like, I was like, okay, I'm sitting here wondering why I don't have a period. Yet when I look at a picture of myself, I can clearly see that like my body doesn't look like a woman that has her period, you know, something just clicked for me when I saw that picture of myself and I knew that, well, that's why that's why there's something intuitive inside a lot of us. It's really, I even knew intuitively without anyone telling me, although I don't have my period because I'm 
you know, I consider myself an athlete. That's why, because I'm Mm -hmm. always working out. So my high level is that I love that we're like quite different. You had the eating disorder background. And then I um, just got brought into this world of that's so recent of let's basically act as though we're athletes and work out every single day and make a goal and start competing and eat in a slight deficit so that you get like, so you look like the athlete that you want to be. And that was really what happened to me. And then I just knew that that was related to my period disappearing. And what was hard for me to make the commitment in the beginning was this denial piece that I talk about a lot. And a lot of people resonate with of I'm not thin enough to have HA. Like I'm not, I didn't have the eating disorder background. Like that's for Meg. That's not for me. Um, Mm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. yeah. So that that was like, it was tough because it was hard for me to identify completely with someone that would have amenorrhea due to under eating. And especially because I was constantly um, like bit overeating one or two days a week because of the restriction. So it's right. like, well, I'm not in a constant deficit because I get out of the deficit, you know, once or twice a week. So that can't be what's wrong. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I feel like there's a lot to talk about just in that. There's like two things from your story that I feel are really important like specifically talking about committing to recovery and you mentioned denial and that is something that you talk about a lot Mm -hmm. but I think it's important to say that like I also was in denial too even though you said like hey I I'm not coming from that eating disorder background like that's for Meg right Mm -hmm. so let's say you and I both knew each other back then you might've thought like, oh, well, yeah, no kidding. Meg has HA, right? Because she had an eating disorder in the past, but I don't. And then there was me sitting there reading all of these symptoms of HA, you know, feeling cold and not sleeping well and brittle hair or like hair falling out. Um, All these things that I knew other women were, struggling with. And I was like, I literally have none of these symptoms. Like the only symptom that I had was I didn't have a period, you know? And I wasn't actively, that was like another thing for me. I wasn't actively restricting my calories or like intentionally under eating. I was unintentionally under eating. And I like talking about that because Mm -hmm. a lot of women are like, quote unquote, intuitively eating, right? We hear so much about kind of like that goal of being an intuitive eater. And I basically kind of got to that place in my life after so many years of dealing with eating disorders, I was finally intuitively eating. But by me intuitively eating, I was falling short of like 2000 calories by like about, so I was like intuitively eating around like 1800 calories. 
Mm -hmm. So I was under eating. I can see that being an easy thing for a lot of people to do. Yeah. And so that was like my denial process. So if we're talking about struggling with committing to recovery, I feel like all the women are like sitting there in some sort of like a denial phase and you kind of like talk yourself out of well it can't be me because of xyz and then the other woman sitting beside her is talking herself out of it because of like totally other different reasons like you and I I love that so yeah I appreciate the completely different experiences that we both had um so in that sense we talked about the, the restriction and the different ways that you can end up in restriction. What about exercise, right? So a lot of people struggle to commit to, to um, the process because they don't want to give up exercise. This is a huge, 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 huge one. Um, they don't want to give it up. As soon as they get their period back, they're excited to get it back, all of that kind of thing. What was your experience and what's your take or advice on getting past that fear because it really a heavy reduction in exercise at least like really really needs to happen Mm -hmm. totally totally and I think there's like a lot to unpack there if we have an immense fear of reducing our exercise that's really where I would come in and really want to work with that individual and helping them reprogram that part of their belief system because somewhere along the line they made a decision about exercise and how it affects their body or how it affects them as like a human it's like tied up in their identity somehow right? And that's different for all of us, for sure. I find knowing like the realities of things um, was really helpful for me. So we don't like tend to walk around like you and I now with our periods back, right? Um, Or even before HA and we knew what HA was, it's not like we walk into the gym and think of exercise as being a stressor like that's just not like really something that's talked about a lot right mm-hmm. everyone's like oh the gym is my therapy da 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 and so we think we we don't really like associate working out or doing any type of exercise as a stressor but when we kind of come into this place of working to get our periods back I really do think it's so important to make that switch in our mind and start seeing exercise for what it is. And no matter where you are in your journey, like no matter if you have your period or not, exercise is a stressor on your body. And I think it's like coming to know that and really like embrace that is really helpful. Right. So just admit, understand, and expect that exercise is truly doing more stress to your body than you are willing to face. Yeah. And just like 
I said, you know, like understanding that it is a stressor and in order to get our periods back, we really do need to reduce the stressors. Mm -hmm. And so we need to get clear on like what those stressors are and exercise is one of them, no matter where you are in your recovery journey. Yeah. You know, but if we are dealing with that immense fear, there are deeper rooted things that we need to work through. So Danny, I mean, like for you, for me, it was more like the food stuff, right? For me, like my inner work and my mental work that I had to do, it was a lot around food and my body. For you, you it, I know it was more exercise stuff, right? Because you didn't have that eating disorder, like you said. And pretty, for me, it was pretty um, even with, okay. with food and exercise. Yeah. Okay. But, so but just in a different way, a different way to you. Yeah. So, so what clicked for you? Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's more complex than that. Um, in my head, like they were linked because it was like exercise equals you know, food, food equals exercise. And it was kind of like a loop where my behavior around food needed to dictate my behavior around exercise and my behavior Mm -hmm. around exercise needed to dictate my behavior around food. So, and they were very linked for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and I wasn't kind of like washing over and saying you didn't have any food stuff, but I feel like you could probably speak even more to the exercise aspect of things because I that wasn't like really my story. It was more like my body and food for me based off of like my past experiences and things like that. But I'm curious for you, like what clicked for you that allowed you to actually commit to the exercise component of recovery? Yeah. And this is why in the, the seven day recovery, recovery commitment challenge the first day is all about the food thing like we're talking about and the second day is all about the exercise and they're both next to each other because of how linked they can be for me um it was it was so progressive that it's even hard to pinpoint like the you know their day things changed I I was working out six days a week sometimes seven and, you know, telling myself that active recovery was different and that a one to two mile walk was different. So at the time I I would then like reduce six days of exercise to four or five days with an active recovery day or with a two mile walk day. So my, my types of exercise and my intensity around it would slowly change. I didn't get a period back by any means, but that, um, that process is what allowed me to basically eliminate these theories I had in my head about why I couldn't, couldn't commit to the process. Right. So I really felt that I eat enough to support this amount of exercise. I'm not even that good at exercise. Like I'm not like elite at exercising. So it's just not likely that I need to fully quit exercising. Um, And I really had to prove that to myself by attempting the theory that I thought that I had and seeing it not work, being like, oh, okay, so, so maybe I am 
I do need to further reduce and I do need to further reduce until the point that, um, you know, I was maybe getting movement in two to three times a week for like 10 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like nothing. And yeah. I feel like we get to that point in recovery where we're just kind of like, you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. <laughs> well, cause a lot of us are just like, we want the evidence. Like we want to prove that, um, we want proof that this is what we need to do. And that's why I like always talking about like, you don't have to go cold Turkey if that's not actually going to get mm-hmm. you anywhere. If you're going to either go cold Turkey and, and commit fully to this process and make um, every single change under the sun or not, if those are your two options, well, we're never going to get to the destination. But if you're, you know, having a hard time coming to terms with, what you may or may not need to do and you go slowly, at least you're moving forward. And the goal for people like that and that we talk about in the challenge is if that's you, we need to create a plan with a timeline for how long you're willing to see if something's working or not. And then, and then commit to making the next change. So that's what I had to do, right? So, okay, well, I'll try this for two months, three months. If I'm seeing any signs you know maybe i'll give myself more time but if i'm if i don't have a period i need to take the next step and take the next step until i get to a point where i'm bleeding (laughs) yeah i like that and i just hearing you talk about exercise and stuff i'm like man i feel like my journey would have been so different if i never had that parasite because i think that's what really forced me to kind of stop exercising so intensely way back in like 2016 but if that wasn't the case I probably would have been more like in that struggle of letting go of exercise back in 2018 when I started yeah interesting HA recovery you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well I'm glad you had the parasite (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like it forced me kind of out of the gym because I was just so fatigued all the time. I literally couldn't do anything, but yeah, there's, um, a lot with exercise. And I think just like going back to what you said about that cycle, like exercise dictated the way you ate and then the way you ate kind of dictated the way you exercise too. And that was another mindset switch that so like seeing exercise as a stressor was important for me because in my mind I know that okay in order to recover and get my period back I need to do my best at eliminating all the stressors and exercise is one of those so that's what I need to like eliminate or drastically reduce and then another mindset switch for me was when I realized that oh yeah okay, I'm kind of like exercising um, to earn the amount of food I eat, which is like what so many women do, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I got to get this many steps in. I have to work out this many days a week. I have to go on this long of run or whatever it is in order to eat this number of calories at the end of the day. But when we make that mindset shift from 
I need to earn my food to, I need to earn my exercise. That was big too. Because if you can do that, if you can start seeing exercise as something that you need to earn and you don't have a period, that was kind of like a light bulb moment for me too, right? Okay, I'm sitting here with no period, yet I still want to exercise. Like, does like that's kind of like not earning your exercise, right? Mm-hmm. You should have like a healthy body in order to kind of get that green light to be like, yeah, you can go exercise. Yeah, I love right? that. That's like talking about ready, feeling a certain level of readiness to train, to train readiness yeah like you if you are dragging your feet feeling like rubbish to the gym and you have no period and you didn't eat very much today like you actually haven't yeah earned the right to to exercise like it's just exactly exactly I mean like even being recovered now for almost two years from HA I still have kind of like those check boxes for myself of like, did I earn my exercise today, right? And one of those is getting enough sleep. So if I sleep like garbage, that's a hard no for me. Like I'm just not gonna do my workout that day. Hard no. Even if I wake up feeling like, oh, I don't feel that bad. Like I feel pretty good. No you got like five hours of sleep last night. No, it's just a hard no for me. So I hope people listening to that, knowing that like I have my period and if I don't sleep well, I'm not allowed to exercise. And that's like a mental rule I have for myself, right? But it's like, okay, if you don't have your period, that's like even more significant of a reason like why we shouldn't be exercising. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Setting these setting these parameters and these boundaries around your behavior is actually really helpful in the process. And that's something that we'll also talk about and help people do in the challenge. That's exciting. Yay. I'm excited. I wanted to also talk about support networks, getting it from friends, family, all that good stuff. Jake just got home. So (laughs) hello. Um, And what that looked like for you. I know a few of, I've heard you talk about this before and what you needed from your family and what you didn't need from them and the importance of putting that in place. So give us a high level as well version of what you had to do there. Yeah, for sure. Um, For me, it was kind of like a really important journey for myself. So I started HA recovery in like about August of 2018. And I actually didn't like let social media know until December, because it was just kind of one of those times in my life where I just really wanted to focus on me and not really I didn't feel the need that like I had to tell everyone right away. Should I stop talking because Penny's going bananas? Or can you hear her? No, I don't care at all. I just, I just like let Jake walk in in the middle of. (laughs) Okay. It's fine. So 
with it, like when I first started, um, not only was it important to me to just kind of like keep it like intimate and to myself for a little bit, but I did let the close people in my circle know what I was doing. So that kind of included my parents. I mean, I see them every day. We live in the same city and I'm really close with them. And then my boyfriend who I live with and I let them know exactly like, Hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. And kind of laid out like, you know, expectations and things that they could expect along the journey too. And just having that conversation with them. I think, I mean, I have so many conversations with women where they're scared about like what their spouse is going to think. And it's like, well, have you spoke to them about like your goals? You know, rather than being like scared about their reaction to maybe body changes or something like that, have you actually sat down with them and communicated like, hey, I don't have a period and this is not good. And so I need to do X, Y, Z in order to get my period back. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, if you stop making changes and don't tell them about it because you're afraid of their reaction to it there that's when they're going to have an opinion is because they're mm-hmm. seeing you behaving yeah I think that my dog uh, like unplugged the router <laughs> it's like plugged it back in um okay that's yes. funny so I was just saying that people they'll notice more if you don't tell them and if you do tell them they have these contacts they understand and they can support you and there are, there's the potential that there's someone that's not going to support you because there's the potential that anything and everything you do in your life has someone who is a naysayer. It doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. But you absolutely need to let someone in on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's so freeing. Yeah, it's so freeing. I sent, I remember sending like my mom and Scott, my boyfriend, articles just so they could like read them and actually understand what HA was because so many people don't really like fully understand. And I really wanted the people that were closest to me to like fully understand what I was doing. And I felt like if they could kind of understand, it would be helpful for me if I ever ran into like part of my journey where I was kind of struggling to keep going or whatever. And then another aspect of getting support that was really important to me. And I know this is like kind of what you were nudging about, but (laughs) setting those boundaries with people. And you actually made an Instagram post recently about (laughs) commenting on people's bodies. Mm -hmm. And it's like, whether you give a compliment or a negative comment about someone's body, it just like isn't helpful. Like just don't comment on someone's body. And that was kind of what I was going through. Like when I first started before I started recovery, I was definitely underweight. My body, like I had zero boobs. My body was very small. And then when I started eating more an appropriate amount, I gained weight and I started looking healthy right and so I remember like but don't tell me that 
<laughs> a couple weeks into recovery, uh, I remember my, like, it just looked like I kind of started having life back into my face. Right. And I knew, I knew this, like I could tell the change and my parents very lovingly said like, Hey Meg, like, we're so proud of you. You're looking better and better every day. And like, as sweet as that is, right. As sweet as that is, that's like the best compliment you could get. But I was just like, Hey, I know this is coming from the most loving place. And I know you guys are so supportive and you're only saying that because you care about me but for the first time in my life I'm actually not doing something like my goal isn't to change my body right my goal is to get my period back and my body is going to change because of that but I just didn't want any part of like my mind to be focused on my body because like I said earlier that was a huge part of my story up until then I was just always doing something to change my body it was always about my body all the time Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay here's an opportunity to get my period back but actually change the way I actually do it right? It wasn't coming from a place of like trying to change my body anymore. It was just like, I'm going to get my period back. And so setting that boundary with my parents where, Hey, let's just like not talk about my body ever. (laughs) And they didn't luckily I was, and I know not everyone has, um, so much luck with, it's not even luck, but, um, I'm just like very fortunate that my parents like heard me that first time and never said anything else, you know? Um, So you might be fortunate like that as well to set a boundary and then the people around you just like respect that boundary. But if not, that's just when we communicated again and we communicated again, right? These people around us are learning something new, right? Probably up until now, they've been commenting about your body every single time they see you. So you're kind of mind boggling for them at the very beginning to hear that you, that compliments aren't helpful. Yes, exactly. It's really hard. And again, to kind of like put things into perspective for everyone, my parents have literally been like in my eating disorder recovery journey since I was 10 years old. (laughs) So that's almost 20 years ago. So they're very familiar. So that's why they were able to like, be like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's not helpful for her. So we're just not going to do it. Right. That's why they were so receptive. But, um, I would say if you're trying to place that boundary around, like, I'm not taking comments on my body, whether they're good or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have to communicate that a few more times, just be kind of like prepared for that too. Yeah. And that's, like day three or four in the challenge, right? Is talking nice. about these conversations mm-hmm. and scripting them and preparing for the response that you're going to get. But in the end of the day, the, the reason we're doing this is to get people acting and behaving around us in a way that is conducive to recovery. When you are with your friends, family, whoever, and they 
are talking about bodies, whether it's yours, theirs, or anyone else's, you immediately think whatever they're saying, I need to scan where I'm at in that. So say someone's literally commented on someone else's wrist, (laughs) dainty wrist. This is a true story. So that's why I'm using it. Um, This like actually happened to me where a friend of mine was talking about another friend of hers and how she loves her dainty wrists. (laughs) I like looked at my wrist and I was like, hmm. (laughs) Is my wrist dainty enough? (laughs) Like this, like this shit can go really petty. I oh I know and then like years later you think it's so insignificant right like a wrist but it it's a big thing it's a big I mean, deal definitely was at least a year ago and I still think about it <laughs> see <laughs> yes so educating people on that and it's it's pretty hard um with your friends over your family because your friends you just like don't want to be weird in front of your friends sometimes and it feels like you're being weird but we're going to talk about that and we're going to get through it um right on other things that are important there's a lot of other things that's why the challenge goes for seven days but let's pick one more I want to talk a little bit about the accountability piece that Mm -hmm. that people face so there's lots of different ways and some people thrive with no accountability for example like I just need to do this leave me alone and some people love having someone that they can check in with all the time that's why coaching goes super well that's why community and Facebook and or even just a friend is super helpful so where do where have you found experience or just have your opinion on where accountability falls into committing to the process I think it's so important, but it shows up differently for all of us, for sure. Like when I was going through HA recovery, I definitely didn't need like that constant, like I didn't have like a friend I texted every day or kind of like a get your period back buddy or whatever. I didn't have one of those. I feel like if I knew you at the time, I would have loved to have like linked arms with you and like, I don't know, motivated each other and stuff. But for me personally, it showed up um, just having like honest conversations with either my mom that day or Scott And if something was really bothering me or something I knew, again, we talked about this earlier, we all like intuitively know things, right? So if something was showing up for me that I was like, oh, I know I need to stop doing this. For an example, like weighing and measuring my food, like I told Scott and I was like, okay, like this has got to stop, but I'm still doing it. And like first he like, I was like, just take all this stuff (laughs) that will allow me to like measure my food or whatever, just like take it and hide it from me. (laughs) And like, for like, that was like 
accountability like kind of you know it was like holding me accountable to like not be doing the behavior or whatever so it definitely shows up differently for everyone um I love what you're doing with the HA society I think that's just playing such a huge role in so many women's recovery not only is it giving them a community that they can just like talk to and stuff but it is accountability for so many women right so yeah it shows up differently but I think no matter how you feel like you need to be held accountable it needs to be part of recovery in some way yeah I agree basically you're enrolling the people that we just talked about you getting support from now we're enrolling them in helping us as well along the way and so I did the same thing with um my husband I was just like if you see me making a choice that you can tell because you know me so well that I'm making Mm -hmm. a choice based on um you know maybe avoidance of all of this like maybe I'm I'm not having dessert because you're not having it when that's like not you know I probably should have it or something like that mm-hmm. I don't know that's just yeah um you know call me out like I have to give you permission to call me out especially when you're someone like me whereas if he calls me out about something I didn't give him permission to call me out about I'm not gonna be happy but I can't really argue if I've given him full permission um and, you know, there was a lot of him being like, well, if I do that, are you just going to get mad at me? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I did have to, um, you know, accept that it's also difficult to have an accountability partner because mm-hmm. in the moment you don't want to hear it, but it's important because mm-hmm. you don't want to hear it, that they're the ones they're telling you. So it's really similar. And I see so many girls struggle with like throwing out the scale or deleting my fitness pal from their phone. Like that's a really hard thing for people to commit to. So I'm excited, just like help a bunch of people, like get rid of them. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like if you are one of those women that are constantly downloading, deleting, downloading, deleting a calorie tracking app, that is your green light that that's a behavior that just needs to go. It's kind of like that bad boyfriend, right? The toxic boyfriend where you just like, you know, he's bad, but you keep going back and then you leave and then you go back and then you leave and then you go back and you know that it's not good and you shouldn't be doing that. You know and that you're with this guy. Like, you know that you he- know. he's not forever. <laughs> yeah, and you pro- probably have been there and now it's like, you're looking back at- in hindsight, right? And you're like, wow, I should have never done that. And years from now, you're going to be looking back and seeing my fitness pal or whatever calorie tracking app as the same thing. So if you feel like you're just like downloading, deleting, downloading, deleting, this is your reminder to take that first step to just like delete it and get someone to hold you accountable for that. Exactly. Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about you know, why you, why you have the evidence that you don't actually need those things. Um, Right on. You can get rid of the app because you are smart. (laughs) Yes. 
love it. And the one thing I wanted to add about accountability too is like, because you and I, we didn't have each other, right? We were alone. And so there are ways that you can create. It's not accountability in the sense that you're checking in and like telling someone that you did this thing, but it's, there are things you can do to help keep your, your mind on the process, like help keep you motivated in a way, which helps to keep you accountable. And the key there is like surrounding yourself with the message you need to be hearing and avoiding the message you shouldn't be hearing. So that's obvious things like, you know, your social media detox. It's finding mm-hmm. balance between like listening to our podcasts enough but not obsessing about it. Yes. Yeah, this is a big one. I'm so happy you said that because (laughs) there's definitely, well, it's just like you can be so obsessive and that's not helpful, but then you can also lean on things in a way to feel like that accountability and that support. Um, There's definitely a balance to strike between the two. This is such a side note, but it just makes me think um, that's like the reason that, um, for example, the HA society in itself is actually really simple inside. So I feel like there are people who, you know, would make a membership and it would just be filled and filled with resources and workbooks and homework and programs and tons of it. And you would potentially be overwhelmed but also you would just be confronted with all this work that you need to be doing in order to recover Mm -hmm. so it was important to me to make this community something that like you could literally come and check in like two three times a week max and be totally up to date with everything that you see we don't have calls every single day because this isn't something that I think you should be hyper-focusing on every single day. You should have your plan, know what you need to do. Let's recenter on it one or two times a week and just like get refocused, answer any questions we have, whatever, and then go about our day or our week. So that's just a total side note unrelated to commitment, but it's just what it reminds me of is like, we should be committed, but we shouldn't be way too committed to, I don't know, like the education piece around HA sometimes. I think, um, you know, take what you need to get the motivation and the fuel and the progress juice that you need. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you got this and go back to what it is that truly makes you happy. And yeah. yes, the seven day challenge goes for seven straight days. It's like intensive. And then, you know, you should be good to go. Yeah. You're getting those tools though, also to find that balance. So you're not being super obsessive and listening to all the podcasts and you know what I mean? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Exactly. So that's what we've been talking about today is the commitment because of the seven day HA recovery commitment challenge. Cause we like long names around here. Um, it starts in two days on the 27th American time. So 28th Southern Hemisphere. And you can check it out in the show notes or just go to challenge.thehasociety.com. Meg is joining me on the final days of the challenge to talk mindset, to do Q&A, to make sure that everyone works, walks away with no gaps that didn't get filled. 
and yeah, some other stuff that we can't tell you about right now, but we will tell you about when you're in there. So I'm really excited. It's seven, it goes for seven straight days every day from the 27th till whatever date is seven days after that. <laughs> and I don't know. yeah, we talk food, exercise, accountability. Oh gosh, I didn't even like put up in front of me. I should put up in front of me. Let's like have a long pause right now. So then that way it's easy for me to like get it out. <laughs> okay. So it goes for seven days from the 27th. And we talk about what's happening, like why your period is missing and a, like a strong foundation in understanding that. And then we figure out each person's unique plan for getting it back. So like we talked about earlier, some people um, need all in. And some people are ready to do a slower approach. And in that case, in all of those cases, we want to make like a specific plan. So we're going to have a whole session where we figure out your unique plan. And then we're going to talk about food, nutrition, building solid, healthy meals, and everything we talked about in seeking support from friends and family and medical professionals, which is really important. So by day three, you have all of this going on. Then we will talk about reducing exercise and your lifestyle. So each individual person's lifestyle, daily routine stress, whether you're a shift worker, nine to fiver, whatever it is, we're going to figure out for you where you can find improvement because there's always something. And mindset shifts, which is huge. The ones that are actually going to get you across the line that's what Meg's going to be joining us for. And we're then going to talk troubleshooting, right? So I don't have, I still don't have my period. What do I do? Right? So when you get to the end of your plan and you've reached your resources, we'll talk about, you know, where, where you should go, what you should look at next. So awesome. seven intense days. I'm really excited about it. I'm so pumped Meg's going to be joining us. I'm very excited. Yeah. Come and sign up, challenge.thojsociety.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women